Welcome and thank you all for standing by. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the presentation, we will conduct the question and answer session. To ask a question, please press star and then 1. This call is being recorded. If you have any objections, you may disconnect at this point. Now I will turn the meeting over to your host, Aris Gerholt. You may now begin. Thank you, Al, and thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning, or afternoon, I guess. Uh, my name is Reese Gerholt, I'm Communications Manager for the Climate Program at WRI, and we're very pleased to have this quick call um, uh, with you about um, tree planting in the U.S. Uh, more broadly, and more specifically uh, in kind of in preparation to this um, bill that Bruce Lesterman uh, is um, going to um, release sometime tomorrow. Um, so we thought it would be a great time for him to, for, for James to talk about the topic more broadly, how it relates to the overall effort to advance climate action in the U.S., and tackle some of these you know, big questions you might have. Uh, I, I've never seen quite so much um, chatter about trees, at least not in recent years, um, in, in the climate sphere, uh, as we have um, since um, Trump talked about it, both at the State of the Union uh, as well as earlier at, at Davos. Um, so it's certainly a hot topic right now, and I think it could be of interest to you to, to dig into these uh, as, as evidence that you've joined the call today. So thank you very much for joining. Um, uh, James Mulligan is a senior associate with World Resources Institute. Um, he's worked on forest issues and, and, and a broader issues for quite a long while. Uh, he's also the lead author um, for new research on federal policy options for carbon removal in the U.S., um, you know, and restoring trees is, is among those for sure. Um, and that analysis was just released on Capitol Hill um, just last month, um, so it's a very timely um, topic for him, and, and he's got a lot to, he can share. So I'm going to hand the floor over to, uh, to, to James Mulligan, and then we do have a couple, a couple other colleagues on the line, um, so in the Q&A, if it makes sense, um, uh, James will punt that question over to them. But without further ado, uh, James. Yeah, thanks, Reese. I, uh, I am joined also by my colleague, Alex Rudy, uh, an expert in U.S. natural climate solutions, and Aaron Minnick, uh, an expert on our global restoration team. All right, so uh, we understand there is growing interest in trees as a climate mitigation strategy here in the U.S., um, even before President Trump's announcement in Davos to join the Trillion Trees Initiative. We learned uh, the House minority were planning to develop legislation to plant billions of trees each year in the United States. We don't have the details of that legislation yet. Uh, it should be released shortly, but we wanted to flag some things to look for when the bill is released. So I'll make a, a short set of remarks there, and then we'll open it up for questions. So first, let me profile uh, some relevant research findings from Doug Rye's report that Reese mentioned on federal policy options for carbon removal, which we published at the end of January. We found there is technical potential to restore 60 billion trees to the landscape in the United States. That's additional trees over and above what's on the landscape today and over and above existing planting efforts and what we expect to regenerate uh, on, on its own in the next decade if simply left alone. Uh, if, if we successful cap, successfully capture that opportunity, the, those trees could remove half a gigaton of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere each year on average over decades. That doesn't fix the climate on its own, obviously, but it's clearly a wedge. Uh, in our paper, you will find the breakdown of this opportunity. It's a mix of several things. One is traditional reforestation, you know, converting uh, underutilized non-agricultural land back to forest. Another is restocking existing forests that have been degraded due to selective harvest practices, invasive species, deer browse, and other disturbance 
coupled with a lack of active management. Um, half of eastern timberlands are understocked. It also includes integrating trees into pasture in a way that would uh, maintain livestock production and provide supplemental revenue streams for landowners. Uh, also crop systems and, um, and boosting the urban and suburban canopy. We plot out a plan to tackle that challenge fully by 2040 by providing a federal subsidy for restoring trees to the landscape. And that, that could be planting. It also could be a um, number of other measures to facilitate natural regeneration of trees. We estimate roughly $4 billion is needed each year, sustained for 20 years, uh, to capture the full opportunity. That is roughly commensurate with tax expenditures for the fossil fuel industry. I, I offer that just as a reference point, but if anyone wants to know how on earth we could afford a program like this, it's actually not that much money and you don't have to be particularly imaginative to find it. It's also not enough to just work out the money for planting. We need a delivery mechanism suited for the task at hand and we need safeguards. A traditional land management policy out of USDA is operated by direct cost share contracts with individual landowners. That's worked at the scale at which those programs operate today, and those programs are oversubscribed. But if we're shooting to plant billions of trees each year across a wide range of land uses, we're going to need to activate an industry around seeking out opportunities to plant trees. And we envision this would work much like the residential solar industry today. Right? We have a private industry, private companies, uh, marketing solar panels to homeowners and installing and maintaining them. Um, you know, we can do the same with trees if the legislation is structured in a way that allows third-party intermediaries to participate, and that's an open question. We also need safeguards. Uh, unfortunately, the world has more than enough examples of failed tree planting initiatives where a few of the trees planted actually survive. We need to learn from that experience. Now, that means structuring policy to incentivize maintenance of the trees until they're established. It also means planting the right trees in the right places, uh, both to ensure those trees survive, they need to be adapted to the local ecology, um, but also to avoid ecological conflicts with important habitats, with natural resources, water availability, uh, and land uses by local communities. The local ownership and governance here is, is key for the sustainability of this kind of initiative. Um, it also doesn't do us or the planet any good to displace productive agricultural land. So we'll need smart eligibility criteria to focus tree planting resources in places where it really does provide a benefit. That's a bird's eye view of the opportunity that we see. Uh, given that, here are some things to look for in the Westman bill when it's released. One is ambition, and here funding is, is key. If this isn't robustly funded, it won't be robust. Um, there's room on the landscape to restore, uh, to add more trees, but, but it costs money to do so. So again, we are recommending uh, $4 billion per year. Uh, more money would be put to good use, but that's a, that's, uh, would be, uh, that would be adequate over a 20-year initiative if it's sustained. Um, that said, I, I would call $1 billion or more uh, a robust starting point. And, uh, sometimes we need to start and then strengthen these programs over time. But here we also need to consider how the funding is directed. So our 60 billion tree number spread over 20 years comes out to 3 billion trees a year, but remember that's over the current baseline. And about 2 million acres of forest are harvested and replanted every year. That shakes out to roughly 800 million trees each year. And most forests in the U.S. actually aren't planted. They're, they're left to naturally regenerate after a harvest. So the total number of new trees each year is actually already in the billions. 
Um, so when we measure up the ambition of this bill, we'll be looking for sufficient funding to push annual tree restoration, uh, restoration of trees to the landscape well beyond existing rates. And the best way to do that would be uh, obviously ample funding, but paired with a good set of eligibility criteria that excludes business as usual activities. Um, maybe difficult to do that precisely, but there, there are ways to do that um, to remove kind of the lion's share of business as usual activities. Otherwise, the taxpayer will be footing the bill for plantings in largely corporate timber operations that are, that are already happening anyway and actually sometimes is required by state law. Uh, another is those. Another thing to look for is those safeguards. So we'll be looking for uh, really a smart governance system that relies on good eligibility criteria, input and buy-in from local communities, and/or some kind of planning and review process, or a combination of those things. And uh, finally, we'll be looking to see if um, I've been discussing, you know, the, op the opportunity in the United States, but. You know, the Trillion Trees Initiative is a global initiative, and there are ways that the U.S. can engage uh, that global effort. So we'll be looking to see if there are resources in the bill uh, for, for tree planting internationally, for example, through development aid and other mechanisms, uh, and we'll be looking at the scope and structure of those provisions. So the last thing to look for uh, is what else is included in this bill. So it's possible this is, will be a, a clean bill aimed at tree planting. It's also very possible the bill includes a number of other uh, unrelated or loosely related provisions, um, some of which may very well be politically contentious. I won't speak to uh, uh, possible political trade-offs here, but I'll just say we'll, we'll be looking at the full package as a measure of the seriousness of the bill's authors in legislating good policy that, that accelerates tree planting as a climate mitigation strategy. That's my overview. Uh, with that, let's... Um, Let's open it up for questions. Thank you. Yeah, we'll open great. It up Thanks a lot. Go ahead, all. Go ahead. Sorry. Now we will open up for the question and answer sessions. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star and then one. Record your name clearly when prompted. And to cancel your request, just press the star and then two. One moment, please. We'll check on the queue. Great. And as you do that, I want to remind those that um, joined a little bit late, um, they're welcome, and we are recording this call. Um, so if you email me afterwards, I can send you um, that recording at some point later this afternoon. This time, speaker, we have one question comes from the line of Tom Frank. Your line now is open. Hi. Thanks for doing this. A question about the trees. Should there be anything about what their end use is? In other words, are these, can these trees be planted for harvesting or do they, does it need to be clear that they're not to be harvested? Yeah, thanks Tom, that's a good question. Uh, it's, a, it's a normative question. Uh, let me just tell you um, what the effect would be if, if they're allowed to be harvested versus otherwise. Actually, let me first note that um, a lot of the opportunity that's out there uh, is in lands that it's not clear that it would be ripe for, um, you know, financially viable commercial timber harvest. Um, I mean, we're talking about uh, certainly the restocking opportunity in existing forests uh, to the extent that those landowners, you know, largely family forest owners, uh, intend to harvest in, in future. Um, we, 
we would expect that uh, some of that timber, some of those additional trees would eventually be harvested. Um, but the reforestation opportunity, uh, the, the silvopasture opportunity, integrating trees into pasture land, a lot of that opportunity is in kind of small chunks, uh, places where the trees are providing other value, you know, shade for livestock, uh, uh, trees in urban settings. So there are a number of, there's a, there's a large portion of the, uh, of the opportunity that um, we're not quite sure landowners actually be interested in harvesting trees. So okay. kind of left to their own devices, I think a lot of it won't actually be harvested. Um, but some of it might be harvested, and then, the, and then the consideration is do you put some kind of restriction on that? Uh, I'll just say that um, those kinds of restrictions, on the one hand, might limit uh, participation. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if we are able to get um, – Participating landowners willing to sign up with that kind of restriction, uh, uh, planting those trees without future harvest would obviously give us a much longer runway uh, over which those trees are, are pulling CO2 out of the atmosphere and a better climate outcome. Um, but even even where we do plan to harvest, say on a 30-year cycle, uh, that gives us considerable carbon removal between now and 2050, which is a pretty critical time uh, mm-hmm. to be making our, our carbon numbers balance out. So. You know, and, and it's it's also conceivable that, um, you know, you, you push this forward without a restriction today, and, you know, we come back with in a very different political context, a very different right. pol- policy context closer to 2050, and we start putting easements on those uh, parcels of land. So it doesn't mean to all be kind of mapped out from day one. Can I follow up? Is there a place that you would like to see the trees planted? And I, I don't mean, you know, your block, but you know, urban areas versus agricultural land or the places that, you know, are most in need where they can have the most benefit uh, beyond carbon? I, I would, uh, yeah, uh, I would actually flip that question and ask, are there places where we don't want more trees? Because uh, if there's a place where we think we can have more trees and, and it doesn't come with an unacceptable trade-off, I think we want more trees. Uh, that includes ur- certainly includes urban areas. It includes includes all the other areas that uh, that I noted and that are detailed in our in our report. There are places where we don't want more trees. You know, afforesting the Great Plains. Great Plains is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited water availability, other habitats, other land uses. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, displacing productive agricultural land for for new forests is a bad idea. We'll likely have uh, you know that that food or other agricultural commodity production will likely shift. To other places, we'll lose forest elsewhere, and we may or may not have made any actual net gains. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to be thoughtful about that. Um, but there are lots of other places where you don't have those kinds of trade-offs. Uh, where, and as long as you're planting the right tree species um, and you're doing a good job of maintaining those, making sure those trees survive, uh, more trees is better. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. And the next question is come from the line of Erica. Your line now is open. Hi. Uh, thanks for this conversation. You have made some comments about the right tree in the right place and not harming ecosystems or, or resources such as water. Uh, one of the things that I've observed in a lot of tree planting efforts is there does seem to be uh, a view among the public that trees are good, trees suck up carbon, 
and also this very narrow focus on reducing carbon, which is another complicated question, uh, you know, depending on what happens to the trees, et cetera. But um, with the push towards nature-based solutions uh, for carbon, I mean, for climate adaptation, uh, I wonder how much you are emphasizing recreating or trying to recreate native ecosystems with the trees that are selected. Um, you know, like you see that in Canada, uh, there's a lot of logging and basically they're replanting tree plantations uh, for future harvesting of, of single species. And, you know, just the act of cutting alone degrades so much of the mycorrhizal network and the other species, et cetera. So is there something that we can do to ensure that these tree planting efforts meet a lot of other targets as well, like for biodiversity, for water security, and the ways that, you know, uh, forests can um, help uh, headwaters and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, let me note that uh, at least a significant portion of the opportunity is never really going to be forest. It's, you know, it's additional trees in, silvo pa in, in pasture, it's urban uh, trees, it's, it's trees in suburban areas that really should have had tree retention policies when they were developed but didn't. Um, you know, we've got 40 million acres of mowed turf grass in the United States. If it were a crop, it would be the single largest irrigated, irrigated crop in the country. Uh, I imagine that a lot of that tree planting opportunity we're not really restoring forests, we're adding trees, we're integrating trees into other land uses. Um, so just keep that in mind. But I think what you're talking about is kind of more of the reforestation opportunity. Um, let me also note that actually the single largest wedge is restocking existing forests. So that, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't entail, you know, mowing the trees down and, and putting a plantation in. It, it requires a potentially a, a wide range of of uh, management, uh, active management interventions like controlling for invasive species, uh, helping new trees establish uh, and protecting them from deer browse. Um, in some in some ecosystems, it may require you know, a, a prescribed burning um, to to prepare um, seedlings for for regeneration and other kinds of um, site preparation. Um, uh, then then in the reforestation category, you know, there there is some um, opportunity for kind of large tract reforestation. Um, certainly, the the bill could provide uh, guardrail safeguards, incentives uh, to encourage planting native species, um, as well as for you know mixed age class management and other things, so that these aren't kind of even aged uh, plantations. I think only about nine percent of the forests in the United States are actually planted. Um, and so, you know, that, that is a thing that, I, that occurs. It's largely the, the large corporate timber operation, um, but it's not the predominant um, practice in, in U.S. forests. So are native trees going to be, like you give the example of suburbia, um, you know, is there going to be any incentive for the trees, the street trees or the park trees that you're planting to be, uh, native to that area or appropriate to that area? That's a really good question. I, I have no idea. We haven't seen the bill yet. I can't speak to what's in the bill. Uh, that's that's one thing we advise you all look for when that bill is released, and, that, and that's something that we would recommend is that kind of safeguard for 
native species for a whole host of reasons, um, you know, including making sure those trees are adapted to survive in the places that we're planting them. Right, right. Yeah, it just seems like a, a policy that uh, would be so easy to kind of go off the rails and, you know, planting trees is good, period, uh, with, with little regard for the details. That's right. Keep an eye on the details. Great. And actually, Al, before you answer the next question, I just want to make sure people know um, if you joined a little late, press star one to get into the queue. Um, but Al, next question, please. Thank you. And the next question is, comes from the line of Stephanie. Your line now is open. Um, hey, guys. It's Stephanie from ABC News. Um, given that the, the Trillion Trees Initiative overall is global, is there a certain threshold or number of trees that would need to be planted in the United States to make a difference and kind of within that, you know, how how does an, an initiative to plant so many more trees like this interact when we are also dealing with deforestation and um, and things like that in, in both in the U.S. and in other parts of the world? Oh, good, good question. Um, I don't know that we're looking for any particular balance in this bill between U.S. and international. We like to see both represented and included and, re and resourced. Um, and you know, given the numbers I laid out on the scale of the opportunity within the United States, um, we think that we would expect that there's a, a robust uh, set of provisions that are well funded uh, to capture a significant piece of that opportunity over time. Um, the interaction with deforestation, the one thing to be keenly aware of is, uh, you know, what are the drivers of deforestation and how does, how might uh, a tree planting initiative like this interact with those drivers? So I mentioned this previously, but, you know, if we're, if we're displacing productive agricultural land in particular, uh, you know, that's going to interact with global agricultural markets and, you know, could very well drive additional deforestation in places like Brazil. Um, so we're looking to avoid that for a whole host of reasons. Um, but there is lots of opportunity to get more trees on the landscape in ways that uh, don't, don't entail those kinds of trade-offs. Right? Additional trees in an urban setting, additional trees in a suburban setting, uh, you know, uh, restoring the health of existing forests in the U.S. in a way that uh, increases tree density um, closer to you know, ecological, uh, historically uh, appropriate levels, um, as well as, you know, some reforestation and degraded and abandoned non-agricultural land. Um, you know, I mentioned 40 million acres of mowed turf grass. It's uh, not necessarily being put to productive use. Uh, none of those things have a direct interaction with those drivers of deforestation, and that's why uh, we've elevated those in our research and in our report. Um, but, you know, it's, it is no secret that uh, adding more trees to the landscape is not only not going to fix the climate on its own, but it's also not going to necessarily uh, hold the forest, global forest sink on its own. We also need uh, to protect the forest that we have. Um, we do lose forest in the U.S. Uh, to a, a mix of development, uh, as well as actually um, kind of a mix of, of cropland and grassland uses about evenly split between loss of development and loss of agriculture. Um, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a large bleed in the United States in terms of carbon, 
um, but it is a bleed. And then, of course, the larger bleed is, is lots of tropical forest. Um, and there's a whole host of, of um, policy and governance measures that we need to be employing to, to, to deal with that problem as well. Right. And so in terms of, like, a number of trees being planted, is there a figure that you would consider this a successful effort? Uh, so I don't know if you joined late, but uh, our research um, outlines an opportunity for 60 billion additional trees in the United States over above the baseline. Um, and so we, we plot that out over 20 years. So that, that shakes out to 3 billion trees a year. But again, that's over and above the existing baseline of what's already on the landscape, what's already being planted on the landscape each year, and what's already naturally regenerating each year, and so which is already in the billions. So. Um, you know, right. we're, we'll either we'll either need you know something closer to six billion trees a year, or, uh, or we'll need good eligibility criteria that excludes the three billion or two or three billion that are already in the baseline. So that's how much we would need to see the carbon capture benefits at the scale that we've outlined over a twenty-year period. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And the next question is comes from the line of Matt. Your line now is open. Hello, this is Matt. Let's go with Carbon Pulse. Um, no, you haven't seen the copy of the bill yet. Um, but my question is, um, do you have a sense of whether or not this bill uh, could contain any sort of carbon offset provision along with the uh, tree planting? Uh, I know it's being introduced by um, a Republican, but given this might need Democratic support to kind of get through um, get through the House. Do you see any kind of potential for something along those lines to get added to this? Thanks. When you say carbon offset provision, uh, you mean some kind of requirement on on emitting entities to participate in this, or what? What are you referring to specifically? Yeah, so something along those something along those lines. So uh, obviously, I don't. You know, we don't know what the exact provisions of the bill will be. But do you think there's any kind of sense that that could be a way to incentivize people to participate? I don't know if you could give like regulatory, um, I guess, uh, less than regulatory restrictions on some companies or entities in exchange for um, exchange for planting trees and then getting offset credits in a certain way. Um, it seems kind of yeah. malleable at this stage, but that's yeah, along those lines. Yeah, I'm I'm a little reluctant to speculate because I'm just it'd be pure speculation. Uh, eager to see what's in there. There's a whole variety of things that uh, might poke its head into this bill, uh, and we'll we can address that when it comes. Feel free to get in touch with us if you have questions about what's in there. Sounds good. Thanks, Jamie. Perhaps. Could you reflect on, like, you know, on research, your own thinking, what sort of incentives should policymakers put in place to, to encourage um, yeah, you know, sure. companies well, or others so, to I mean, there's, there's um, you know, the government can just pay for this. Uh, as, as, I, as I mentioned, um, it's the, the, the bill is not that large, and uh, we, could just, we could just take this one off the table and chalk up a win and move on to the next thing. Uh, but there are also ways that the government can uh, incentivize private finance for this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, 
that could include some kind of mandate. I'm uh, would be surprised to see that from um, from the House minority at this stage. Um, we could also see um, a, basically a cost share approach where the government puts up a portion of what we expect the cost to be and kind of expect that uh, the remainder is is filled in either by um, state and local uh, government resources, uh, you know, for a kind of local benefits that are provided by those trees, not just carbon sequestration, right? There's a whole host of benefits from air quality, water quality, uh, you know, reduce heat, heat island effect and so on, um, or and or from private interest. And so this, you know, this could tap into uh, the voluntary carbon market, which has, uh, you know, to date uh, failed to do the trick at the scale that's needed, but uh, we have an increasing number of companies making increasingly ambitious uh, pledges here and, and now needing to execute on those pledges. So it's not inconceivable that there's that uh, at the end of the day, there's some kind of financial handshake between a public subsidy and, and a probably voluntary um, uh, private finance as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the next question is comes from the line of Ronald. Your line now is open. Yes, hi. This is Ronald Bailey from Reason Magazine. My my quick question is I did a quick calculation uh using the harvest rate you mentioned earlier. I'm trying to figure out how much land would be involved in achieving this over the next twenty years and just off the top of my head I come up with something like hundred and twenty million acres or so. Is that about right? Uh, Alex, do you got those numbers? I know we have those numbers in the paper. Do you have those numbers on top of your head, Alex? Uh, I do, and I've actually got the paper in front of me, so I can um, I can speak to that. Uh, so, in terms of acres, we're looking uh, all in on the order of uh, 300 million acres uh, of some kind of tree restoration activities. Uh, that's not all reforestation. Reforestation is is closer to just uh, 50 million. Uh, acres of that. Uh, as Jamie mentioned, the largest uh, portion is in restocking uh, existing forests, which is about 165 million acres uh, we think could be uh, could be achieved. Uh, and then the remainder, a little over 100 million acres in uh, silvopasture, other agroforestry systems, and, and uh, reforestation of urban areas. Uh, so altogether, it's um, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, roughly 300 million acres. Just as a point of reference, that's uh, about the same area that uh, has historically been lost to forests in the U.S., um, although the, the area doesn't line up perfectly here since we're also talking about putting trees, um, more trees in existing forests than trees in, um, in other areas, such as, uh, uh, you know, silvopasture systems, urban environments, and that sort of thing. So that would come to about 15 million acres a year that would be uh, part of this program uh, to, to achieve the, the goals that you're hoping to do in 20 years or so, right? That's about right. Okay. Thank you. On, a, on average, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And speakers, we don't have any question in queue. Once again, to ask a question, please press the star and then one. Hey, great, thanks. And if, yeah, if we don't have any more questions, that's totally fine. Um, BI Star 1, if you want to jump in, it will take one or two more questions, if there are any. 
um, and then um, obviously we were around and always helpful. I was um, very willing to um, to be available for for questions and interviews down the line. Um, but if we don't have any more questions, then I think. Um, oh, do we have one more question? Yeah, we have one more question, and from the line of Ronald. Yes, sorry, sorry. this is Ron Bailey again. I should have thought of this as well. So looking at the Trillion Trees Initiative, uh, again, uh, focusing on the amount of land that might be involved with that, have you all had a chance to look at, at those numbers as well? Yes. Um, let me make a kind of a comment here that uh, we have a fascination with really large round numbers. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so you know, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the Trillion Trees Initiative is a is a really nice kind of marketing slogan and a headliner. Um, we have not devoted resources to literally trying to find where to put those trillion trees. There was a study uh, where 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 that number came from. Uh, that study caused some debate in the community uh, appropriately. It's it's a it's a useful study. Um, but there are also some some things in there that some assumptions that were made around you know whether pasture land could be uh, reforested whole cloth globally that are perhaps a little bit uh, overly ambitious. So uh, I would view the trillion tree study as a nice galvanizing goal and slogan. Um, but and really the takeaway is you know whether it's a trillion or or half a trillion, uh, it's a large number. And we can spend many years, uh, uh, you know, working our way toward it uh, to to good effect if we do it right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the next question is comes from the line of Georgina. Your line now is open. Hi. Um, thanks for holding this call. Um, I, I think actually I I was uh, punching in my my info, and I, it sounds like somebody else was asking something about the Trillion Trees Initiative. Um, and, and there was that, I think it was a study in science last year that, that um, said that it would take 2.5 billion acres to, 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 um, to realistically do that. Um, it, it, was that what you were getting at in, in your last point, James, um, the acreage relationship with the, with the one trillion trees? I kind of cut out for a bit, so. No, my, well, my response was... Um... Let's not uh, overly focus on the trillion trees number as a as like an actual uh, you know by this time in year twenty x we'll have added trillion a trillion one trillion trees to the landscape. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think the trillion divided by two point five billion is what four hundred. So uh, if I did the math right in my head, uh, so that's. If that's per acre, then that's that's a typical stocking rate for reforestation. Okay. Um, so that that in itself is, you know, that's in the right ballpark. The question is whether there are 2.5 billion acres available for this. Okay. And I guess and, my, and, my point and, to you all is, if we only one billion acres, that's that's still worth a massive effort. Okay. Um, and then also, I'll, I guess I'll just sort of add um, one of the questions um, that, that Reese sort of threw out that, that in, in the email from earlier today was, um, you know, whether this bill and this larger um, concept um, it might dampen 
climate ambitions, um, and I'm just wondering what the what the risks are there, and if you could just talk broadly about um, about that from a um, you know it, it might sound to a lot of people like an easy fix. Yeah, it's not an easy fix. First of all, it's not very easy. It's not particularly easy to do. It is generally lower cost than other measures on the abatement curve, um, but it's not it's not necessarily easy to do. And there are several pitfalls as we've outlined. Um, the second thing to know is that it is uh, clearly not sufficient on its own. Uh, you know, we, we, I kind of view it as a necessary but insufficient measure. Um, and it's important for actually for a couple of reasons, not only because, you know, it can um, can offset some emissions, but it's actually a carbon removal measure. It actually takes CO2 out of the atmosphere. There's a limited number of, of uh, nature-based approaches and technologies that can do that at scale. And that's critically important because if we overshoot our trajectory to a 1.5 degree uh, stabilizing at a 1.5 degree warming over pre-industrial levels, the only way to get back is to take CO2 back out of the atmosphere. So it's particularly important for that reason. Um, but when you look at the whole range of things we also need to do uh, to get to, to 1.5 or even 2 degrees, um, this is on the list. It's a long list. So I, I don't see any... Um, if people are actually looking at the numbers and they're uh, kind of formulating, you know, their positions in a good faith way based on the science, uh, I don't see any basis for uh, this uh, distracting or detracting from uh, the broader, uh, much larger abatement effort that we also need to pursue quite aggressively. And I'm a little bit wary of arguments that say, don't do this thing, uh, do that thing instead, because that thing is more important when, Really, we need to do all of those things and then some. Uh, so I think we need to take the wins when we can get them, uh, but let's not lose sight of the broader picture. Thanks. And if I if I can just uh, add to that, Jamie, this is uh, Aaron Minnick with WRI as well. Um, uh, I mean, agree with everything Jamie just said, but would also say there's an in incredibly uh, important need to protect our standing primary forests as they already are, because they're already doing that job of actually taking the carbon out of the atmosphere. And so we need to protect those forests, plant these additional trees, and then take strong measures to uh, decarbonize, as Jamie was saying. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the next question is, comes from the line of Justin. Your line now is open. Hey, thanks for taking my call. It's Justin Kadenis with Manga Bay. I have a really simple question. Where are these trees going to come from, and like what size tree do you imagine? I mean, do we have nurseries that are that are growing billions of trees right now? Yeah, it's a good time to get into the nursery business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've uh, actually struggled a little bit to pinpoint uh, the existing capacity in U.S. tree nurseries. There was a a survey done by USDA now. 13 years ago was the last one they did. Uh, and, you know, the, there's a lot of, like, Christmas trees and ornamentals and stuff in there. Yeah, but then you, have a, then you have the large kind of timber companies that, that have their own nurseries, um, and I don't think we're included in, in that survey. So it's a little hard to say, but it's, if we're actually going to plant 60 billion trees in the United States over 20 years, the tree nursery industry is going to need to dramatically expand. Uh, and that's partly why we plot that effort over 20 years and not 10 years or five years. We think, you know, it's gonna, there will be some bottlenecks 
those are good bottlenecks to have, right? That's that's growth of private industry, that's jobs. Um, actually, we have a, a similar potential bottleneck on the workforce side. Uh, we will need people to, to 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 grow and to plant these trees and to maintain these trees. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's going to be a mix in urban settings. Uh, cities are planting uh, larger, you know, still young, but larger, more established trees, usually, you know, like a five centimeter, centimeter diameter um, uh, that may, may be, you know, five years old or so in, um, in the kind of reforestation planting that's done on the, in the national forest system. Those are tiny seedlings that uh, you throw out on the landscape. Uh, we were also now even seeing uh, new companies with uh, drones that that um, would plant seeds directly, and uh, they're they're still getting data back on survival rates from that kind of approach. But that could uh, potentially dramatically reduce the costs, as also reduce the workforce entailed um, in that kind of effort. Yeah, and, and just the smaller the tree, you know, the less the less uh, carbon sequestration you're going to get. It's just going to take longer. I mean, trees need to be 20, 30 years old before they really start absorbing carbon. Uh, well, yeah, but every tree starts from the seed. So, you know, what, what? whether you leave it in a nursery until it's five years old or whether you bring it out on the landscape when it's one year old, it's, just, it's the same seed. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's going to be the same. What we're, when we're calculating carbon removal rates, we're looking at an average annual rate over a 30-year period. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And currently right now, speakers, we don't have any questions in queue. Once again, to ask a question, you may press star and then one. Yeah, and I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we're, if we're done here. We've had a lot of this really great conversation and good questions. I guess I would just punt it back to, to Jamie and perhaps other WI colleagues on the phone if there's any other Closing remarks you'd like to make or points to reinforce? Nothing from here, but Aaron, I don't know if you want to say anything on the global side. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, I would just add too. I mean, it's it's really encouraging, uh, you know, to see you know the, this trillion trees and the efforts uh, being made by by the U.S. and you know any of these these tree growing efforts are you know commendable and needed. Um, uh, as, as mentioned, um, I just want to say that there are already, um, you know, quite a few efforts, you know, internationally that are successful sort of been working on this. So this isn't sort of a, a brand new space. There's already a lot of folks going on. Um, you know, we have the, the bond challenge um, at, a, at a global level um, uh, and as well as uh, regional initiatives of both the Initiative 20 by 20 in Latin America and the uh, AFR 100 in Africa where um, there are already uh, 170 million hectares, uh, roughly 420 million acres that have been committed by these, uh, these governments to be uh, restored um, and uh, reforested in one way or another, whether it's back to forest or um, adding trees within some of these um, you know, urban or agricultural uh, landscapes. And um, so I would just um, applaud these, these, uh, these major efforts, but uh, would really, uh, you know, uh, make sure that the, they, they need to be aligned with a lot of these efforts that are already going um, on board. A lot of the infrastructure um, and networks are already in place, and so uh, we could really get the ball rolling a lot faster if uh, all of these, uh, these big uh, tree planting or growing campaigns um, are sort of tied in with existing um, existing uh, uh, initiatives. And if, if any of you need more context or good examples of 
things that are working well in different parts of the world, reach out to the forest team, and we will more, be, we'll be more than happy to share information with you. Yeah, and so this is Reese. I just wanted to make sure you guys all had his name. That that um, person was just speaking um, previous to Nadia uh, was Aaron Minnick, associate with the Global Restoration Initiative um, with WRI's Forest Program. Um, but I think we will call that a wrap. So thank you all so much for joining the call today. Um, and again, I, I will be able to share a recording of this after the fact. Otherwise, please do reach out as um, we can be helpful to you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. That concludes today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. <laughs>